Welcome to Wine and Murder Night, a podcast where two friends discuss and drink to their favorite cozy mysteries. I'm Carolyn Wilkie. And I'm Sabrina Moshausen. And I just got back from a wonderful vacation. Yes, tell us all about Scotland. Are the Scottish blokes nice? Um, is the sky still blue? Has Scotland <laughs> not separated itself from the entire kingdom yet? yet. And gone yet. floating off into the Arctic? Who knows? <laughs> um, no, so I loved Scotland. I absolutely want to move there the minute I can. Scotland's an amazing country. I loved it. Um, I always visit, whenever I visited Nathan, it was like, I love this place, actually. <laughs> yeah, and everybody was super duper nice. And in fact, like, um, so we were in Inverness, and then we took the train across the country and went to Isle of Skye and stayed in Skye for a couple of days and then finished up our trip back in Inverness. And I assume most people probably don't know, but Inverness is a pretty small city. It's only like 60,000 people or something like that. Um, and not particularly touristy, um, but it was gorgeous. I really liked it. It was so cute and walkable and just everything was great. Uh, but like, unlike some places where you go in Europe, like everybody was like, oh, you're American. How cool. We love America. <laughs> like, I mean, they obviously had their own opinions on the political situation, but like everybody was like, like, unlike like in France from sometimes like Americans can get really looked down on. They yeah. were like super like excited to have us around and like everybody we met was super nice and they were like oh Colorado yeah some of them didn't know where it was but a lot of them were like actually did had been there before because mm -hmm. of the mountains and the skiing so that was really cool and yeah everybody was so lovely I I just adored everything about it I just the further, we drank yeah the further you go north in the Isles the British Isles the nicer people are um, so Scotland going that far north is, is lovely. It's the nicest you'll ever get. And honestly, one thing that I hadn't, like, I knew, but like, I hadn't really like, one of those things that you know, but you haven't really experienced. So it's hard to be like, believe is like, we got there and then we realized it was staying light forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we got there and the, the sunrise which we stayed we got up one time for a sunrise and took pictures on sky and it was beautiful um was at 5 a.m and then the sun didn't set until 9 30 10 ish yeah it was crazy like i'd never experienced anything like that and obviously like you know that's what happens but then to be there while that's happening is an entirely different experience and like you get so used to it when i went to iceland it was 24 hours of sunlight the entire time i was there like it it didn't even get dusky it was just like 3 p.m. sunlight all day. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and so I got so used to it that I came back and, like, the sun was setting and I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> what is this darkness? Yeah, so, I mean, and they have soft water and my hair, it felt like silk. And, like, my hair is not... Your hair is not fussy. My hair hates all water. It's not fussy, but it's also not in good shape right now. I haven't yeah. had a haircut in a year. And I've oh. got like, I've had, I have like at least five inches of split ends. And like, I've just been putting it off and putting it off. And like. It's a haircut. I know. Cause I just don't know what I'm going to do. Well, get the, well, for right now, you're going to get those five inches <laughs> off. Like that's, that's the answer to that question. Like you don't have to do anything else. Just 
chop it. Just chop it. Go from yeah, there. but like when I was there, you couldn't even notice the split ends because my hair was so soft. It was <laughs> amazing. My hair is very long right now. <laughs> my hair hates all water. It doesn't matter. Because curlies. Mm-hmm. When, when you have curly hair, it's just like, you need to use water. You but, have to um, wash it sometimes. Yeah. But when I get my hair done, it's always fantastic. But I always also get it straight. I also always get it flat on. So I look fabulous. Um, I had to get it done for graduation and I'm going to get it done again. It's weird because it's like within five days. So that's right. You had a big life experience recently. I did. Friday was my very last graduation as a teacher at my high school. Um, it's also my last day with students. I have two days of post planning, but um, after that, I am no longer going to be a teacher at my high school. So um, big things. It's kind of weird. Big things. I'm also. I also finished my uh, thesis. Ooh! And so I have to go and defend that. So I've decided to fly to Sweden <laughs> to defend yeah. my thesis. Which is how that goes. Um, I'm going to spend a week in Uppsala, uh, a couple of days in Stockholm, uh, having a grand old time. And also getting away from fucking 37 degree weather, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is over 100 friends um, who speak Fahrenheit. Um, it's hot. Yeah. It's very mm-hmm. fucking hot. And it will be until the 8th of June, apparently. Well... What are we drinking on today for this celebratory occasion? Uh, apparently mimosas. <laughs> um, yeah, we're doing another early morning, well, mid-morning recording for me. So yeah. it's a mimosa day. It's mimosa day. I am drinking uh, Amarani uh, Sandorini de Anua de España. It is a cuvee or a cava. Mm. I didn't know uh, those were the two same things. Yeah. Uh, cuvee is just the French. <laughs> what is the rumbling in the background? Me turning the bottle around oh, okay. to look at it. It's a 20, <laughs> 20, fucking hell, 2016? Yeah, it's a 2016. I haven't been to the store, so I'm actually just drinking straight bubbles instead of mixing a mimosa. Uh, but I'm drinking a Prosecco, um, a Cantina de Pra. De Pra, I don't know. It's Italian. I can't do Italian. It's a 2017 Prosecco from Italy, product of Italy, of course. And um, yeah, it was it was fun. I went to the little wine store and they were doing a tasting. My wine store by work is trying to become more boutique-y. So they like added some like plants in the front and like, <laughs> you know, those little like blackboards with the letters that you can press in now? Yeah that are everywhere now so they have one of those now and they were doing a tasting in the back of actually some really tasty rosés i just wasn't in the mood for one um and so i was i made the dude like help me pick out what what to drink and you know what he did a good job i'm i'm only a couple sips in though oh yeah i'm on my second glass oh my gosh (laughs) it's hot it's hot and this mimosa is actually quite tasty so um Well, speaking of hot things, do we want to get right into it? Of course. We're going to Australia, where it's always fucking hot. In today's episode of Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, it's Season 1, Episode 3, 
the Green Mill Murder. We start off with kind of a voyeuristic little view of a man, uh, Len. Uh, I wrote down harassing a flower girl, a woman selling flowers, who is like, he's like, do you want to come dancing with me? And she's like, no. And then he's like, come on. And then they finally like embrace and kiss. But in the shadows, a figure cocks a gun. Which is kind of weird because that gun has nothing else to do with the entire episode. Right? They're just setting us up right from the beginning for red herring. I know. This albino herring. (laughs) But our very next scene is Miss Fisher walking through a dark alley. She's fabulously dressed as more fabulously than usual, even. Which is, which means she's going out, of course. She's going out. And she knocks at a door with a green windmill on it. And we go inside and we get a full body shot of her in the dress. And we hear the strains of upbeat jazz music. Of course, because it's, you know, it's a speakeasy. And there's going to be jazz. And the lead singer, the, the woman... The lead woman is an actual singer in real oh, yeah. life. I was going to, I suspected she was the one doing the actual singing, mm-hmm. but I wasn't sure. And I hadn't looked it up. So I'm glad you looked it up and <laughs> one of us knew that. Let's see. Her name is Rennie Hines. Uh, yes, she's an actual singer. Cool. Well, she has a amazing voice. She does. I, so you just mentioned uh, it, call, it being a speakeasy, and obviously it is with like the whole door situation. But correct me if I'm wrong, Australia never really had prohibition. Yeah, so a speakeasy is not really, like, it doesn't have to be secret, but it's like, it's kind of like, it doesn't have to be secret for illegal purposes. It's kind of like a, it's a secret because it's kind of an in- fashionable thing it's like going to a you know your club like um, a members only like a members thing. only thing so gotta nathan, be in the know yeah so nathan was a member of a of a members only club in england that women were only allowed in certain rooms <laughs> but i was his only guest me and nathan are those people that never had many friends <laughs> Hey, better to have close friends that you can tell anything to than a wide group of friends that you can't tell anything to. So, but what I really liked about this one is that they had two dining rooms, like a Mm -hmm. more like intimate dining room and then more of a, like a communal dining room. And, um, so I would go and women were allowed in both those dining rooms. And, um, I would always sit with the most interesting people in the communal dining room. Like we would sit and we would eat and I learned so much and they learned so much about me. And I was continuously the only person of color. in that <laughs> club. <laughs> like, And I'm just like, okay. Okay. Uh, the diversity diner. Yeah. So speak- <laughs> basically, so speakeasies aren't speakeasies for illegal purposes. They could just be members only clubs. Hey, Barbara Valley. Watch the door for a few minutes. And don't let anyone in without the password. All right, what is it? Swordfish is the password. Do you understand? Okay, I got it. Well, what is it? Password. Swordfish! Swordfish! Right, the swordfish is swordfish. Well, they've really enjoyed a renaissance here in the U.S., obviously. Like, hipster, and also in the UK. Craft very, cocktail-y yeah. things. Um, I was reading 
I get an Airbnb magazine. What? Because even? I use Air- because I use Airbnb, so they send me a magazine. I guess. Um, <laughs> and this this one was talking about Taiwan, and apparently Taiwan has uh, tons of speakeasies, and um, over oh. from the colonial era, and. Um, but they also have a lot of gay speakeasies because there's a huge gay culture in Taiwan. And, and uh, we are, another thing to celebrate, Taiwan just passed legal gay marriage and just had their first weddings. Yep, the only Southeast Asian country to do so, so. Cheers That's to you, to them. Taiwan. Speakeasies are have always been a thing. Um, and yeah, they are... A sign of gentrification and a little bit of um, hipsterism, but still, it's a nice place to go and have a quiet drink. So they, it is, it is, and I do like. I really appreciate. I think craft cocktail culture, like as much as I might poo poo the gentrification part and the hipstery part of it, I think it's really cool. Like mm-hmm. I like that we're bringing back a lot of these old things that you couldn't get for or like didn't re- like weren't like part of the popular norm like you know mm-hmm. pisco sours and stuff like that though that's yeah. not actually a particular favorite of mine but like the fact that we're like old fashions are coming back into you know coming back into fashion or like it's not weird to have those things on your menu or like for young mm-hmm. people to order them anymore like they were such a like an old person drink for so so long and I'm, i like whiskey a lot so like yeah, it's fun. So Scotland must have been lovely. Oh, we drank so much whiskey. Speaking of secret societies, uh, don't laugh at me, Sabrina. But um, one of the days we went to this fabulous place that did whiskey tastings. Not like uh, it was a bar, but like their whole thing was that you could do flights of whiskey there, um, and they were pretty reasonably priced for scotch too. So you could go expensive if you wanted, or you could go more reasonably priced, and um. We ended up hanging out with a group, a large group of Danish men, mostly in their 50s and 60s, um, <laughs> but other couple that were our age, um, who were part of a secret whiskey tasting society. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's hysterical. It was really funny. That's so funny. Oh my God. Good for them. Yeah. The yeah. Danes are weird. The Danes are fucking weird. Like, once you, like, so you can't learn a language without learning its culture. And so, like, I picked up Danish because, um, you know, when, see, this is what happens. I pick up a language just to flirt with people in their <laughs> home language. Because what did Nelson Mandela said? When you speak to, when you speak to someone in a language, they know you speak to their brain. But if you speak, in a language or if you speak to them in a language they've learned you're speaking to their brain but if you're speaking in a language they know you're speaking to their heart so so uh thank you nelson mandela (laughs) it just means tips with nelson mandela (laughs) (laughs) good man good man he was not only uh like uh, anti-racist he was also the best wingman you will ever have So I picked up Danish because I was kind of talking to this Danish man. Um, yeah, so there are a few languages I will not pick up just in order to flirt, and one of them is Finnish. But um, <laughs> Danish Danish was close enough to Swedish that I was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. So enough. once you get to learn a language, you also learn a lot about their culture. And um, the Danes are fucking weird. They are. Everyone knows about Hygge, but like... 
like Higa is not just like cuddly sweaters and like cute candles. It's like the feeling of being at home wherever you can be. So when Danes go out, they create Denmark. <laughs> They're like, okay. <laughs> We are in this random ass country. They're like the Germans. The Germans are also, they also do Hugger. It's Gemütlichkeit. And um, it's the feeling of home wherever you may be. And the Germans are really good at this because they're always prepared. So you'll be in like, um, and I'm, I'm German, so this is true of me as well. You'll be anywhere, like in South Africa. Uh, you'll just be like hiking. And there will just be Germans who are like, oh, do you need... XYZ because we have everything that you might need to survive in anything. It said that cockroaches are the only thing that are going to survive the apocalypse. It's cockroaches and 80 year old German men. (laughs) And they will create a new world. I love that. But like the Germans and the Danes have that similarity where they just create little Germanys and little Denmarks. Not in a colonializing way, although yes, but, but in more I mean, of a mostly in like a temporary this is where we are right now kind of way. Yeah. And yeah, I definitely we, got that feeling. We're gonna make home where they, we, we are. definitely took over like a good half of this teeny tiny little bar. <laughs> it was a time it was a good time. We get to see Miss Fisher in her fabulous dress. What I go ahead, go ahead. Negotiating with an old friend of hers named Charlie, and he's basically trying to sell her a plane. Two things about this scene: his three-piece suit looked amazing on him. I know, and I love a three-piece suit. That's I like do my too. favorite thing. And I actually second... noted not this suit, but a suit that he wears later—the tweed yeah. one with the short pants. Oh yeah, loved it. And then, but. What I noticed about Miss Fisher is that she's very muscular and broad. Mm-hmm. Like, and I noticed that in a a lot of women who have muscular and broad shoulders tend to avoid sleeveless dresses because they don't want to give attention to that. But she just wore this beautiful, and I know it's nineteen like late nineteen twenties, um, so style. that's the style, but. Women still could wear sleeves if they were shy about the. Yeah, like Dot wears only sleeves. Yeah, the boyish cut of everything mm-hmm. did very well with her very boyish body. So I wouldn't be surprised if Essie Davis was an actual like gymnasty type when she was a kid. Well, I'm sure she probably fucking does CrossFit now because you know whatever everybody but, does. <laughs> yeah, even I do, which is uh bizarre because there's running included in crossfit (laughs) well but do you like it that's the important part i like everything except the running i like every other part of i do i love every other part of the crossfit experience except one leg is shorter than the other so there are like wall exercises that i can't do because one leg will just go swinging Mm. (laughs) but um like remarkably shorter than the other one like when i started doing crossfit i was like holy shit i didn't know this about my body (laughs) learning new things every day and now that i do i'm a little embarrassed but i could do all of the crossfit exercises with modifications because of my remarkably shorter leg like what the fuck (laughs) but uh, i could do them pretty much all and i love literally every other part of crossfit except that one 200 meter run that you have to do i believe in you i hate it (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, Charlie, after maybe getting Miss Fisher's interest, goes off to a back room with some serious looking men, including, and granted, I did not pick this up for a good 10 minutes into this fucking episode, including Len that we saw in the opening. Yes. And... You can tell that they're kind of arguing a little bit about something, and at one point, Len grabs him by the lapels and kind of shakes him a bit. Oh, yeah. You know, gotta do that tough. Mm-hmm. And Miss Fisher is like, is there anything I can help you with, Charlie? Like, I can see that something's wrong. He's just like, well, I'm caught in a bit of a sordid situation. And then, of course... No spoilers, but this is immediately when I was like, ah, oh, he's gay. Yeah, same. <laughs> like, oh, oh, the sordid situation is homosexuality is illegal. Yep, yep. Uh, but this being Miss Fisher, we get a dance sequence. With Tintagel. Fucking right? <laughs> Tintagel is the greatest name I've ever heard. And here's the really awful thing. This is an Australian who's lived in America long enough that he picked up some American tones. So I thought... He was trying to pull an American accent. And I was like, this is the most awful American accent I've ever had in my life. (laughs) And I do American accents every once in a while. And I'm like, okay. Okay." Roller coaster. Yeah. Roller coaster. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, while they're dancing, we hear the sound of glass breaking and a woman screaming. And then a man... That very same Len crumples to the floor, dead. <laughs> so, of course, Detective Inspector Jack Robinson shows up. Of course he does. We learn very quickly that Leonard Stevens was stabbed, that they cannot find the weapon that did it, and, as Miss Fisher pulls from her purse, he was carrying a lot of cash on him. I know. A roll. Oh, a roll. A wad. <laughs> I accidentally washed $25 in cash. I had it in my pocket yesterday because I don't carry a bag. Mm-hmm. Literally laundering money? Yeah, literally. And I pulled out, like, I was pulling out my clothes out of the wash machine and I was like, oh, there's like money in it. <laughs> so that $25, completely clean. Drying out now. <laughs> Well, it's Colin's job to search everybody for the murder weapon, including the women, which he is extremely uncomfortable about. Which point, like, make me an honorary, like, deputize me honorarily. Fuck no. But also... (laughs) Right? (laughs) Miss Fisher has some balls. I was like, even, like, Robinson has a point. It's like, no, darling. No. No. You know it's weird when Sabrina's agreeing with the police. <laughs> well, no, I'm not agreeing with the police because of that, but I'm like, Miss Fisher having police powers is a bad thing. I agree. I like, agree. the capitalist class already has police powers. In recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. <laughs> but, like... I agree. She, It would be even worse. We also learn in this scene that uh, Constable Collins is... Trying to ask Dot to the policeman's ball. Policeman and fireman's ball. But having some hesit like, being a little too shy about it? Being him. Being, it's very cute. 
But this reminded me of one of the best jokes I've ever heard. And so I heard this through a friend and chalk this up to only a thing that a white person could get away with. But (laughs) my friend and a friend of theirs was driving home from like a um, social intramurally no stakes softball match. Mm-hmm. And they'd been drinking, and she had she wasn't really she was fine, but like the one she was the one driving, but her friend was drunk, and they're driving on this old back road, and they get pulled over, and this is in the middle of Texas, hard in yeah. Texas, and of course my friend has had like two beers, so she's like oh fuck oh fuck oh fuck, and cop pulls down and he's like hey do you know why I pulled you over and before. Like, at, like, as she's grabbing, like, her license and registration and handing it to them, before she can answer, her drunk friend leans over and goes, well, is it to invite us to the policeman's ball? And he goes, policemen don't have balls. <laughs> no. No, they don't. That's why they kill innocent people. <laughs> well, needless to say, they didn't get a ticket. <laughs> I would feel like that would be a double ticket. <laughs> I mean, he was the one who said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Chalk That's that up it. to some white nonsense. But No. No. Um, you know what? I've had good interactions with cops and I've had rubbish interactions with cops. But the two times I've ever been pulled over, my accent has gotten me away with it. I once took yes. away... I once took a way too long, wide left turn and ended up in a like a right hand turning lane, or like into an actual the opposite left hand turning lane. It wasn't like it wasn't on a highway. It was going into a shopping center, and I I look at the officer and I go, I just got back from England, and that's about <laughs> as wide as. And it was true. I had just gotten back, so it was like, I'm sorry. And then when I was in Aiken, in South Carolina, uh-huh. I was probably speeding so (laughs) i mean i'm not gonna admit it but i probably was and um the cop pulls me over and my my tag is very new my south carolina tag and my my south carolina license is also very new Mm -hmm. and i go i'm sorry i just got here i didn't say i just got here from georgia i just said i just got here and he was like oh welcome to america (laughs) (laughs) nice i did i did drive when i was in scotland I, that was an interesting experience. I only had one bobble with the left hand, right hand thing. And that was mm-hmm. only because the road markings were very confusing in that particular area. Oh, yeah. No, the road markings don't help you at all. But I was very, I'm glad I did my, my first trial of driving on the left in Isle of Skye, where it was all one lane roads anyway. Yeah, my first experience driving on the left was in London. Nope. Mm-mm. Hard pass. But did I not do very well when I drove you around London? You did great. I had no fear from you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is surprising because I'm a very, like, I'm not a very defensive driver. Because if you hit me, I want the insurance to pay for me. (laughs) So, um, I'm a very laissez-faire, sure, go ahead and hit me kind of person. (laughs) 
Well, we also learn in this scene that uh, Pansy, the woman who is Len's dance partner, says they were going to get married. And Noreen, the singer, like basically snorts and calls Len a creep. Yeah. That she he, she was never going to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learn that Noreen is married to the coronet, coronet player. What the fuck is a coronet? Is that a clarinet? No. Well, it's a... <laughs> It's a, it's a trumpet. Oh. Yeah, oh, yeah, because of the fucking mute. Duh. Yeah. It's a trumpet without stays. What's the stay? The, the, the buttons. Oh. That make the noise. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So it's a very old, you know, it's the thing that announces the king. Oh. So I think his had a stay. And it's the, a monarchical like, nonsense. Yeah. But not, not because of the monarch. It's just an instrument. It's just so an instrument. Yeah, so you use the mute to to do the stays, basically. The mute is what, like, does the, the stay sound in a coronet, because you don't have this, the buttons. Well, we learn she's married to the coronet player, Ben, and we also learn that Charlie, Miss Fisher's good friend, has escaped through the bathroom window. <laughs> Which very clearly puts him in a suspicious light. So, back home, Dot and Miss Fisher talk about Charlie and the ball, and Miss Fisher encourages Dot to do the asking, since, obviously, Hugh is having a hard time. Yeah, it's the 1920s, you know. I know. What is that? What is that called at um, high school dances? Uh, Sadie Hawkins. A Sadie Hawkins. Miss Fisher wants uh, Dot to be a proto-Sadie Hawkins. Mm. Oh, women, by the way, women already have the vote in Australia at this point. Well, hell yeah, Australia. No, didn't they get that vote? They would have gotten the vote, too, in America about here. Uh, Yes. Wasn't it 1919 in America? Am I wrong? 1920. 1920. Okay. Yeah, yeah. next year is the centennial. Well, hell yeah. Let's do something for that. Um, I mean, sure. (laughs) (laughs) You won't even be here. With any luck, I won't be here. I don't know. Maybe I'll be in Scotland. Here's the thing. Um, with any luck, I will never return to this country. <laughs> um, and you can I, still have one in honor of. Well, of course, because I'm still going to be fucking voting until I <laughs> renounce my American citizenship. Um, and everyone's like, holy shit, I have German passport. German passport is stronger than American passport. So yep. even if I cared about nationalist bullshit, which I don't, um, German passport trumps U.S. passport, and definitely trumps, seeing as Trump will be dictator for life, and will probably kick me out anyway. Which has always been funny that um that you know those white supremacists who want to kick people out of their country. I want to be like, yeah, you're sending me back to Germany, assholes. <laughs> so thank you, thank you for sending me to one of the richest, most balanced countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that has your lovely leader buried under a car park. So, fuck you. Thank you. And so, the car like, you rode in on. It's really funny because, A, they don't speak German. These white supremacists who find Germany the end-all be-all of all whiteness. And B, they know nothing about Germany. Like, oh. and I'm like... Oh, God. Just, I almost don't want to bring this point up because I don't think it's necessarily that they find Germany the end-all be-all of whiteness. I think it's more that they're like, Germany is the only country that's ever tried to be super-duper white in the same manner. 
and failed miserably. <laughs> right? Like, co- like fucking cherry picking your goddamn also, data points really, here, so, guys. For me, <laughs> it the the biggest thing is white supremacists think that white people are smarter than people of color. All just, people of color. But I know. Here's the thing. I just don't understand how we get there. Like, that just doesn't make any fucking sense. But the thing about it is you colonize all these non-white countries and we learned your languages. Black Africans learned French really well. <laughs> like, I mean, Black Africans a- learned Afrikaans. They learned Dutch. They learned German. And I'm like, so are we not smart enough? Or White we- supremacy follows no logic. Supposedly. Oh no, you and I of both course. know this. Like, there's no point in pointing this stuff. I mean, granted, no. we can talk about it on our podcast because we're just going to agree with each other. But like, you can't no. point this out. Like, these logical inconsistencies don't, I don't mean anything. They don't care about logical inconsistencies. I just like seeing them not having an answer for it. <laughs> Fair enough. Speaking of people who don't have an answer for it, oh, of course. Miss Fisher goes to the Freeman estate and uh, ends up talking to Charlie's mother a little bit about Charlie. And while there, we see uh, pictures of Charlie's brother, Vic, who was a pilot in World War I. And Miss um, Freeman really doesn't want to talk too much about Charlie. Like, it's, this is a little weird interaction where she's obviously hiding something. Um, but she points the finger at Charlie's friends and talks about Charlie as basically being like a layabout and like all of his friends are stupid layabouts as well. And she talks about him and this guy named Bobby Sullivan being thick as thieves, which Mm. if you didn't think he was gay before. Mm. I know it was like, oh, okay. Gay now. Yeah. So Miss Fisher charges Burton Sess with tracking down Bobby Sullivan. Mm Mm-hmm. While she heads back to the police station to visit Jack at the coroner's. And we learn from this little interaction that the wound that killed uh, Len is small, neat, and horizontal. And we also learn that the doctor pretty strenuously objects to Miss Fisher being in the room. And Jack only relents because she has been charged by Mrs. Freeman with finding out what happened and finding Charlie. And if she does not speak a word. But when the coroner is talking, she very quickly realizes that the wound was probably made by something akin to a hat pin. Yeah, and so that's the problem. Or or a good thing, you're looking for a woman at that point. Mm-hmm. That might have done that because, you know, women wear hat pins. I want hat pins to come back. I Well, I want this. This specifically reminded me, and you probably saw this Twitter thread, but like of that anthropolog. <sighs> Shit. I've already had enough Prosecco that my words are going. Anthropological. Um, I'm on my third glass. You're doing, you're faster than, I'm I'm going out of a flute. So I'm, I'm going oh, slow because I have shit I, to do. Well, I have a whole... Well, I'm making actual mimosas. So. I know, yeah. But, well, so there was this thread, um, a Twitter thread a couple years ago even, but it's always stuck in my brain, of, like, all of these archaeologists found these things in, like, some Greek site, mm-hmm. and they couldn't figure out what they were. Mm-hmm. They were just basically, like, they looked like, like, basically like hat pins almost, and they couldn't figure out what they were for or what they did, and it wasn't until, like, 
someone was showing it to their girlfriend who happened to be a hairstylist that they real that she was like, oh, those are basically bobby like ancient bobby pins. Yeah. And it's like the sexism in all of our industries has really hampered our ability to recognize certain things. And to also learn, like the first calendar was made by a woman to track her period. Yep. Like that like obviously these ancient bobby pins because they had wigs. And so yeah. they had to like keep And them like in. fancy curled hairstyles like i mean yeah. that was a big thing like we have roman or roman and greek records of all these curls they had to be kept in place somehow <laughs> and remember when we were watching father brown all scholarship was hampered by the fact that nobody did research on what was going on in the home yes so when you don't do research about what's going on in the home you're missing like 75 percent of life like especially in pre-capitalist societies where people were working within the home to create to to for their families in a socialist society you're making what is needed within a family structure and the family doesn't have to be a nuclear family but i'm saying within a small community structure mm-hmm. that's what you're making all the detritus that anthropologists are going to find in our life they're going to be like what fuck society was this this is all bullshit like what did you need this for <laughs> and so like if we don't do enough scholarship on home life pre-capitalist societies, we're not going to know how to structure our future post-capitalist societies. Mm. And there you go. And that's on purpose. Capitalism is inevitable. In recognizing a communist, physical appearance counts for nothing. <laughs> and its destruction is just as inevitable. Come on. I mean, yes. All right. Uh, well... My favorite little bit from this whole Jack and Miss Fisher interaction is nothing about their chemistry, because I actually didn't feel their chemistry was particularly great. There was episode. there was one scene where the chemistry was interesting. But yeah, but it, I'll talk about more about this when we talk about the actual review. But like, yeah. the thing that I loved the most about this particular episode, this is my absolute favorite thing, is that... Um, Jack is talking to Miss Fisher a little bit about the crime, and he's like, well, and she's just being like, Charlie could never do this. He doesn't have a violent bone in his body. And he's like, oh, well, how do you explain that he was recently charged with a fray? Which is basically starting a fight. I just thought that was amazing. He punched punched, uh, Len in a bar. But a fray is a verb. As like a thing that one can be charged with. I was like, this is so great. It's a noun in this case. Well, yes, but fair. (laughs) An instance of fighting in a public place that disturbs the peace. So it's disturbing the peace. We just don't use that word anymore. Yeah, but we should. I know. Bring it back. Sess are successful and they find Bobby Sullivan and he when she gets home is waiting in her parlor and really we don't find out anything in this scene except that he lies about knowing Len mm-hmm. pretty obviously and they I don't know nothing about no Len <laughs> except you know not hickish and not <laughs> <laughs> in a southern accent uh, he, he's pretty 
Bobby Sullivan, the impression we get from him is that he's also pretty well turned out. Like, he has a nice little casual suit on, his little, mm. like, uh, paid, what is that hat called? Newsboy cap. Because the gays. Because the gays. You know, if that's what it takes. So, this episode had both interracial marriage and the gays. And I'm like, (sighs) so you had to do both, like, oppressed minorities in just one episode. Just Mm. get that out of the way. In a very special episode. Like, the (laughs) fuck? Could you... (laughs) Like, that was two plot lines in one episode. I know. I, yeah. Yeah. Again, I'm trying to save my review for the review part. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Uh, So they do end up tailing Bobby Sullivan as he leaves. And they catch him climbing a drain pipe. And Colin's- Those gays, they're very- Nimble. uh, Nimble. (laughs) Agile. Agile. The agile gaze. The agile gaze. <laughs> Fucking like, what's the name of that? Uh, David Attenborough. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are. We can see observing gay. the agile homosexual. <laughs> Homo Homo sapiens. <laughs> Well, Collins and Jack get the address of Len's apartment and pull up just in time to see Miss Fisher go through the drain pipe as well. Also, shimming up. The, <laughs> this is more of a homo bisexual sapiens. <laughs> I'm sorry, she's bisexual. No, and, she is. She totally is. And if you deny me, I'm going to show you Xena and Gabriel. Gabriel. <laughs> and, no, Miss Fisher is totally bi. We're claiming this one. Flag in the sand. I hate all flag. By the way, we need a we need a new flag. I don't like uh, what. We're the like blue purple the pastels. Piece, right? the, yeah, we're the pastels, and I'm like, I'm... no, we are angry anti-fascists. Okay. <laughs> oh, the anti-fascist action thing is like red and black and white. Perfect. Perfect. I love See, it. See, I would disagree because every sports team in existence uses red and black and white. Oh, and I'm just true. tired of it. Wait, well, well, bisexuals are like more athletic, you know, as it sounds. CrossFit is the bisexual sport. Period. Fair. <laughs> so we are just, we are just the athletic anti-fascist homosexual bisexuals. Pansexuals. <laughs> See, the problem is, people can totally call themselves. It's bisexuals. the new tagline of the podcast. <laughs> Whatever. Anti-fascist bisexuals is what we are. Yeah, yeah. Cheers to that. Well. Well, I have no more to drink, so I will have to. What the fuck? We are... Sabrina. (laughs) We are only... Okay, timestamp for the listeners, since this is all getting edited. Uh, We are only 47 minutes into this actual recording. (laughs) This is the fastest Sabrina has ever finished her wine. I'm not done. No, 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 no. I'm okay. still, I'm drinking a lot of orange juice and not as much kava. Okay, well, I have shit to do, so I can't drink this whole bottle. I get to even take a I'm nap. Mad. I get to take a nap after this. So well, okay. In Len's apartment, Miss Fisher finds an invite for the wedding of Pansy and Len in the trash. She also goes to confront Sullivan as he rifles through Len's desk. 
But before anything too important can happen, Jack confronts them both. And Collins falls through the window. Uh, we learn that Sullivan was attempting to retrieve pictures of him and Charlie in bed. Yes. Back at the station, Miss Fisher poses as Collins attempts to take her photograph to book her for breaking and entering. But Dot shows up with a lunch basket. And... Hugh is, like, gathering his courage to ask her to the ball when he looks down and he sees her little crucifix necklace. I guess it's just a cross necklace. Mm -hmm. In Jack's office, Miss Fisher is feeding him bites of gratin, I I think it was. Yeah. And she does have her best line of this thing, which is, I haven't taken anything seriously since 1918. Yes. Yes, that's my favorite line. It was a very good line. Um, but by bribing him with food, she learns that Len was blackmailing Charles and Sullivan. Um, and really not a whole lot more than that. Um, but he does. Oh, they have a, they have a long discussion about like, you're just arresting, oh, you'll, uh, you're charging someone with loving someone. Like it's the crime of loving someone. Yeah. So, um, which is very special episode. Well, Miss Fisher then goes off to interview Bobby in his jail cell where he's sitting. And she learns from him that Charles had been paying Len um, to basically keep the picture secret. But they both kind of decided to balk at the payments since they never stopped mm-hmm. having to pay him. And, and But he pointed out that it doesn't matter because he's hidden a plate somewhere. Mm-hmm. And Len had threatened to go to the papers. With the pictures. Because and, Charlie's family is important. Yes. And Bobby kind of points out that, like, there was nothing they could do but pay him. Like, mm-hmm. they go to the police. They get locked up for jail. Like, locked up for being homosexual. And, like, if they go to the papers, they get locked up to be, for being homosexual. They, they were stuck in a, between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Because, you know, being gay is obviously criminal. Mm-hmm. We also learn... Because Jack gets the financial records that Charles wasn't the only Freeman paying Len. Mrs. Freeman had been sending him a check every month for quite some time. Mm. After Miss Fisher and Dot leave, Collins confides in Jack that the reason he was hesitating to ask Dot out was because he suspects she's Catholic. No. I actually think this is a really great storyline. And the fact that he, like, le- legitimately looks into converting for mm-hmm. her later, later in the uh, series. I mean, it but... takes, like, two seasons, I think, for them to get married. But this, yeah. this is the start of what I think is actually a really interesting storyline, especially because, like, I kind of grew up without any sort of religion. I'm technically baptized. I'm technically a Protestant. But, like, the only reason we joined a church was to make friends in an extremely religious area of the country. Yeah. No, that's, that's how you do it. I had to join a church to make friends as well here in Georgia. I found a Unitarian Universalist. I'm christened as Lutheran Protestant because that's what what German babies do. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) We just are. We are christened as Lutheran Protestants. God damn it. He invented Uh, the fucking religion. So we, we have to be. 
One of my favorite quotes ever, actually, uh, was is a Martin Luther quote, which is, I mean, kind of loosely paraphrased and updated too. If I had known so many people were would read it, I would have been more careful about writing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, this is this is I think a really great start of a storyline that it's a really is a, it's a really old fashioned storyline. And mm-hmm. I, I appreciate it for what it is. It's a mark of its time. But um, it's a very cute one that lasted until the 1950s. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's one of those things. And then it was, well, at least you're not Muslim or Jewish. Yeah. You still believe in Jesus, so we'll keep you. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, once the 1950s passed, it was more about, like, Christians versus others. So... Mm-hmm. But even here in the South, we have Baptists that don't think Catholics are Christian because of their over-reliance on the saints and Mary, who, I point out, Lutheran Protestants still believe in that. We just took out the whole, you know, actual blood and body of Christ. We And other things. But, like, we still like Mary. I mean, like the Mary. Klan still went after Catholics. Oh, yeah. For me, it's like, you all believe that Jesus Christ is a thing that will save you from utter damnation. As a Unitarian Muslim, I'm very like, Muslims still believe in hell and shaitan, which is Satan. And so it's kind of this weird moment where I am like, Allah is great. Can you say that again and spell it for me? Not like Satan as in that tofu shit. Shaitan. No, 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 I'm, oh. I, I, but I've never heard it before, so. Shaitan, as in, well, it's Arabic, but it's S-H-A-Y-T-A-N. Okay, cool. Well, now I can recognize it in writing. Mm-hmm. And so we tend to, you know, Muslims still believe in hell and believe in, in a, he's not a, he's not an angel, but um, Shaitan is like the absence of God. It's like mm-hmm. the opposite of God. So, but as a Unitarian Universalist Muslim, I believe in submission to God, but also that everyone is inherently good, so everyone will know God's grace, whether or not they believe in anything. Yay! So, like, I'm a very laid-back Muslim, which is, you know, probably not great. Also, I'm drinking (laughs) kava, so there you go. Well, after all of that, uh, Dot is sent to the church where the the church listed in the invitation to see when the wedding bands were put up. And Miss Fisher heads off to confront Mrs. Freeman. Re Leonard. You can tell when I write, read from my notes because I use terrible shorthand. Um, but she learns a couple of things, even though Mrs. Freeman is still very hesitant to tell her anything. Um, she learns that Leonard used to work for the family. And she didn't know that Charles had also been paying Len. Like, that's a huge shock to her. And I was a little kind of what the fuck Mrs. Fisher in this scene, Miss Fisher in this scene, mm-hmm. because... She keeps kind of pushing a little bit and she's talking about how like Charlie hasn't found the right woman and how he and like that's kind of Mrs. Freeman's thing. And she's like, well, he may never find the right woman. I don't think the what he's looking for is the right woman, right? Right. 
And I was like, well, why the fuck is she outing Charlie to his mother, who he clearly hasn't told, or, like, doesn't know that he's gay? And then I, but at the same time, I kind of, she then mentions that the pictures and that the police have the pictures. So I figured, well, better coming from Miss Fisher than the police dropping by kind of situation. But also, it just, it clanged a little bit, even though Miss Fisher was very obviously trying to be sensitive diplomatic. about it. She's trying to be diplomatic about it. But, of course, outing anyone without their consent is a problem, but not in the 1920s. Right. I mean, it definitely yeah. felt, like, period typical, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it didn't almost, it felt a little out of character for Miss Fisher. Yeah, who is, but also Miss Fisher is not very, um discreet she's Fair. not a very she's not yeah. a discreet person so she's going to be honest about something um but i whether- don't think she would ever like okay maybe i'm wrong correct me if i'm wrong because you've also seen the same episodes many times mm-hmm. uh has she outed uh dr mac to anybody that we've seen so far i don't think i think dr mac lives as a les- see okay so lesbianism wasn't illegal homosexuality was lesbianism was never illegal to be fair, it was just gals being pals, right? Yeah, it's just, it's always gals being pals, right? So lesbianism was never illegal. So Dr. Mac living as a lesbian is fine. Like, everyone's like, well, you know, women and their sexual urges don't really mean anything. Yeah. Like, that's an episode of Miss Fisher's. I don't know if it's one of these five that we'll watch, but that is an episode. <laughs> yeah. So, like, women's sexuality was imaginary unless there was a penis involved so lesbians being lesbians well they're not having sex so that's not the illegal thing Mm -hmm. which you know obviously they are but i'm just saying in the law in fact queen victoria allowed lesbianism she just made homosexuality illegal so really yeah her her law was anti-homosexuals but not anti-lesbians she didn't make it she didn't make it, like, okay to be lesbian. She just neglected to mention the lesbians. <laughs> Which anti- <laughs> so, like... Yeah. There's so many levels to that. <laughs> Anti-sodomy laws tend to leave out lesbians. Yeah. So, yeah. like, Dr. Mack was living her life. It wasn't illegal. Only, only the penis in the bunghole would be illegal people because ooh bungholes dirty because we store our poo directly in the bunghole just it's all there at any time (laughs) I'm not saying I'm just oh man this is fun yeah (laughs) so you know also speaking of lesbianism I saw the favorite (laughs) on a plane very good movie strong recommend uh, Olivia, oh. what's her name, is fantastic in it. Well, I I, I sprung for Economy Plus. Ooh, well, flight, so I get uh, free who, Wi-Fi. So. What are you, who are you playing? Or who are you playing? Who are you flying? SAS. When you fly to Scandinavia, yeah, Scandinavian yeah, yeah. air service should always be what you fly. Well, if fav- if the favorite is one that you get to see on the plane, strong recommend. I watched. Is it there any plane. sex scenes? Because I tried yes, to watch. Yes, sort of. Oh. Well, no. Okay. I mean, it was kind of edited for the plane. Oh no! See, the problem but was there's trains... heavily implied sex. Oh, Train Spotting Two 
was not edited. Oh no! Oh yes, and the very f- in the very first like four minutes, there's like some guy plowing this woman, and I was like, there are people behind me watching me watch this. So I switched to Snoopy. <laughs> <laughs> You can watch The Favorite without being embarrassed. Okay, good. Uh, we learn very quickly that Pansy and Len's wedding was called off. Um, and because Miss Fisher understands this, she goes to interview Pansy. And Pansy is insistent that it was only postponed. But she also ferrets out that Len had other girlfriends, including one who wore a rose-smelling perfume. So, Friday being Friday. Oh, and this, this, her being a florist, she was like, it smelled like dead roses in a graveyard. I actually really, in general, don't like rose smelling things. I actually got, I got a bottle of rose water from this like really lovely place in Boulder that does all their own scent mixing and it's very good. But like, as a rule, not my deal. I am okay with it as long as it's in Marspath. <laughs> I have a bottle of rose water and I may use it to make some macarons at some point. Yeah, I love I love Marzipan with a with a European delight. Marzipan and licorice. I'm one of those. I'm one of oh. those since I was What the re- fuck, Sabrina? Not together. But like Okay, I thought you meant together. Although I, I have did. had it together and it wasn't bad. Oh god, no, we're moving on. You'll just uh- <laughs> Fuck When we went to when we went to that candy shop, notice that everything I bought was had some kind of licorice base, and you're like, I'm gonna go for the marshmallows. And I'm like, fuck, licorice. Licorice, licorice is so gross. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, and it causes gout if you eat too much. Really? Of it. Yeah, because it's uric acid, so it builds up. Oh, I thought gout was more, more of just like a too much sh- fat and sugar kind of deal. No, actually, gout is gout is mostly caused by eating, um, well, fatty foods, but also f- like innards. So we don't eat innards very much, so gout isn't found as much, but people who eat a lot of licorice and a lot of innards. So here's my problem. I'm German, so I eat both innards and licorice. So I'm like, maybe I should be more careful. Well, now the favorite makes more sense. Yeah. So if you eat a lot of innards or you eat a lot of licorice, it's a buildup of uric acid. That's what gout is. So, um, yeah, be careful. Okay. Well, Friday being Friday. Uh, can be found in the very next scene in Noreen's dressing room, just sniffing all of her perfume. <laughs> sniffy sniffies! <laughs> and she does, in fact, find a rose perfume. And while Noreen is hesitant to divulge much, she does say that she saw Len being cornered in the back alley by a man with a hat and a big scarf and a pistol. Yes. Uh, Miss Fisher talks to Mr. Stone, and we learn that Ben and Noreen were both married in Australia because interracial marriage was still banned in Noreen's home state of Virginia. And the other reason it wasn't banned in Australia is because the Australians were looking at the... Okay, I have to back up. Okay. So, Australia had a policy called the White Australia Policy. So basically... Like, Australia was for white people. Fuck the Aboriginal. 
Mm-hmm. And then white Australians began to literally fuck the aboriginals. <laughs> so the white Australian policy became, okay, let's fuck them out of existence. So the only reason that it was legal, miscegenation was legal in Australia, was because if you breed it out, you'll slowly breed out the aboriginal and just replace them all with white babies. Well, so I was also listening, and this is a fucking, like, dating podcast, but it's really great. If you, if you like, um, I love Nicole Byer. She's a comedian. She's fucking hilarious. She has a podcast called Why Won't You Date Me? Strong recommend. But one of the episodes I was, I'm literally listening to right now was talking about her time in Australia and how, uh, she's black and how racist it was. Yeah, it's incredibly racist. And she was talking about, like, how when she said that, somebody was like, Several Australians were super fucking offended. And she was like, there was a fucking policy where you could take a half white, half black baby from its parents, like from its black parents and put it in a white home. She's like, what the fuck, guys? Like, deal with your shit before calling me out for people. What was really weird is I lived with a white family in Melbourne and they were like, this is all like whenever I got introduced, she's from Germany. So they they completely. I mean, obviously, I just I obviously had just a really good tan, but like they completely erased my entire identity. Like one of like we, I had a going away party uh, when mm-hmm. we were going, and they and my friends. Um, I had friends. They were incredibly racist around me, but always like because they were like, "Oh, we're not talking about you." Well, okay. Mm. Uh, like, I was 13 at the time, so I wasn't like... Yeah, you were in no place to be like, yeah. what the fuck, guys? You know, so, but, like, at one of my going away parties, this guy pulls out this pe- uh, this guitar, and it's not Wonderwall! It's Blackbird. <laughs> it's Blackbird by the Beatles. And he dedicated it to me. The song is about fucking, like, the civil rights movement. Oh, my... But he dedicated it to our blackbird who's flying away. Oh my god. Yeah, I love Australia. Fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mr. Stone comes home with uh, Miss Fisher and makes some moves but she won't let him unless he kind of spills the secrets which to his credit he refuses to do and just goes home i mean he's like uh well (laughs) he's like well i didn't get what i came here for so i'm gonna go home (laughs) yeah basically but like he refuses to spill which is a good trait in a friend (laughs) it's a good trait in a friend and also like she it's like a cap she's working for the cops i love miss mm-hmm. fisher but she's actively working with the police like mm-hmm. actively which is yeah. everybody has it's not like you know father brown didn't actively work with the cops or like we're watching these and i'm just like yeah they're actively working with the cops so A-cap. if they're not the cops themselves yeah if they're not the cops themselves so i'm like but I mean, I think that's the thing about murder mysteries is like, we're never going to get away with that, like yeah. away from that, because like sure. the idea behind a cozy mystery is that everything gets justice and yeah. 
I mean, and and that in, usually means getting arrested and sent away. And in murder mysteries, cops are not always bastards. Right, right. Yeah, they're the good guys. Um, but she did end up getting some photos from Tintagel. Is Tintagel? Tintagel. Tintagel. I couldn't remember how he said it. Tintagel. And while inspecting those the next morning in her fabulous fucking dressing gown, she spots an aviator scarf. Yes. And I do want to point out, Dot's blouse is very cute. I want an aviator scarf. I actually wanted to get my pilot's license for a really long time. I still may. I have to get laid. I have to get laser surgery on... Oh! oh! I have to get laser surgery first on my left eye. But um, my right eye, I have perfect... So I have twenty thirty vision. Because my left eye is slightly lazy. Um, so I'm just getting... I'm, but I'm waiting until I go back to Europe because laser surgery is covered by health insurance, health services there and it's not here. Dear Scottish people, marry me. <laughs> I, I can cook. You can still marry me. Remember, I have an EU passport. Okay. Tintagel, by the way, is in Cornwall. Yeah, I like it's a fucking castle, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a it's a it's a parish. It's a village, but there is a castle there. I fucking knew. Well, so I heard. So I literally didn't hear his first name until this particular scene, and mm-hmm. then I was like, I literally wrote it down in all caps. I was like, this fucking name. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a new footbridge being constructed. So, but it is King Arthur's castle. Yeah, I knew, I knew it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Dot in her adorable little blouse talks to Hugh, and Dot does finally ask him to the ball, but then she learns that he's a Protestant. No, no, <gasps> dun dun dun. Uh, Miss Fisher goes off to the Freemans and she walks in on Charles raiding the family safe. And with a gun. With, with a gun a on gun. this one. Yeah, okay. So we learn from this whole very dramatic scene that Vic, the pilot, didn't die in the war and he's actually been living in solitude. What I liked about the scene is like, his pronunciation of Ypres in Belgique. He was like, he he got that spot on. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you took French in high school. <laughs> we also like, learn that it was Vic at the Green Mill. Mm-hmm. And here's, this is 2019 Carolyn, right? Obviously. Mm. Then Charlie points the fucking gun at his mom. Mm-hmm. Who has up until now supported him and everything he has done, even though she disapproved of his. She didn't even know he was gay. She disapproved of him just being lazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you like, know the gays—they're well dressed and lazy, right? She didn't care about the gay part. She cared about the lazy part. <laughs> and he just like points the gun at her to get the fucking information, and Miss Fisher's like, "Charlie, no, don't." But. Miss Fisher and Charlie fly with the Chekhov's plane to Talbotville. Well, it's not a Chekhov's plane. He had the plane. No, no, it's Chekhov's plane because it appeared in the first act and therefore had to be used in the third act. Oh, yeah. Well, unlike the gun. Uh, Not quite Chekhov's plane. Yes. (laughs) Uh, They fly to Talbotville. And meanwhile, Collins learns that Noreen 
is still married to a Jacob Reed in America. Ooh. Because bigamy is illegal. In both countries. In both countries. But the minute they land there, Charlie pulls the gun on his fucking brother. Like, my whole little brain was like, this is why we have gun laws. Or need (laughs) gun laws. This is why Australia has gun laws. This is why we need gun laws. This is like, Charlie is a normal-ass fucking dude. And yet here he is emotionally compromised yes. so he's pulling the gun on the people that he loves the most yep but uh 1920s australia didn't have these gun laws fair enough yeah <laughs> 1920s america had looser gun laws than even today so i'm surprised there were no background checks mm. oh yeah that's right <laughs> um, well i would argue that there's still not really background checks fair enough they try I mean, they have a semi I mean, of... but I have a spotlessly clean record. I have one traffic accident to my name. If I decided to go in and buy 20 guns... You could totally then, do that. And then gift them to all my criminal-ass friends, I could. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So, I would say that background checks don't really work. No, but there is at least a paper trail. Yeah. There, there's that. They have a paper trail today, if not what we would really consider a background check. Yeah. Well, we learn from this whole interaction that Vic once came back to Melbourne, and Mrs. Freeman could hardly look at him because he does have scarring on his otherwise unblemished and handsome face. Yeah. I was like, oh, so we start the scene with him shirtlessly... Chopping wood. Okay. So into it. So into it. I see Vic is very do. attractive. Well, and then we learn that obviously Vic and our darling Miss Fisher have a past. Yes. And he taught her to fly. And then he continues on with the past. <laughs> I would too. I mean, like, ooh, one of my favorite lovers is alive. I'm yeah, same. <laughs> Same. Uh, down at the station, though, Noreen is in a better dress than her performance dress. Can yes. we talk about that? Like, I mean, we don't need to really talk about that, but like, this dress is fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's so good. The costuming in this episode was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as per usual with Miss Fisher, but like this particular episode, spot on every single oh, yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Um, she says that Ben didn't know about Reed, and we actually get proof that he did not, but Stone did. And when Ben learns this information, he kind of storms off and is like, what the fuck? All that. And Noreen confesses to the murder. And so Jack, being an actually pretty decent inspector, is like, okay, well, tell me how you did it. And can you just demonstrate how you stabbed him for me? So he gives her a little, you know, wood ruler and she's like, okay, and I did this. And she stabs in a downward motion. Mm -hmm. So immediately Jack knows that she did not kill him. Oops. Oopsies. Uh, Meanwhile, and I just want to point this out because I thought this was a very, I thought this was cute. Dot is doing her nightly prayers and 
She is really cute about her prayer. She's like, and care for the zebra in the zoo with the gammy leg. <laughs> oh, I have the funniest story. Not about a zebra with a gammy leg. But my mother worked in a residential hospital as a nurse. Mm-hmm. And um, she worked with severely mentally and physically disabled uh, clients. And um, they they were overrun with Canadian geese. And every year, this <laughs> Canada one... Canada geese. Canada yeah. geese. Oh, yeah. Canada geese. And this one year, this one... This one goose would always come back, and he had a gammy leg, and my mother would always look out for him. Aww. <laughs> like, he had a lip. And I'm like, oh, so that reminded me. I'm, I'm sure my mother didn't pray for the Canada geese with the gammy leg, but I was like, I feel you, doll. I, too, care about animals with gammy legs. <laughs> but she also asks God to let Mr. Collins know, if he's not too busy, that he's Catholic. <laughs> Is God Catholic? Catholic, the little c, means orthodox or normal. So if we're having a Catholic day, we're having a, you know, a fairly average, ordinary day. Goshen. I've decided to use the stats term instead of normal because there's too much baggage attached to the word normal. (laughs) So statistically average day. (laughs) Within a standard deviation, either within way. A sta- within a standard deviation, either way. So that's what, that's what little c Catholic means. So is she asking God, just let him know that you exist as like a, as like a statistically average kind of omniscient? Oh my God. I taught my students omniscient. They knew God was omnipotent, but they did not know that he was also omniscient. And everyone was like, I'm going to pray to God to pass my French test. And I was like, well, he is omniscient, so he does speak French. And they were like, what the fuck is omniscient? And I was like, all-knowing. And there you go. I just taught you something on, like, your last day of school. Cool. Yay! Lifelong learners. Of course. Well, back at Vic's... Uh, we see Miss Fisher in a one-shouldered wool sweater, clearly implying that she and Vic rekindled their friendship. Yeah, definitely not her sweater. Definitely not her sweater. <laughs> but she and he are talking about the case, and she has her aha moment. And there's actually a really touching moment here between Vic and Charlie about like being a hero and not running from shit and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Miss Fisher says, okay, next day we're going to come back to whatever. Melbourne. I've had too much Prosecco for all the cleaning I have to have to do. What the fuck? How is it that I'm on like my fourth or fifth glass of wine and I'm fine? Because you're blending with orange juice. Because it's fucking mimosa day. I'm going to need you to get with the program. This is a sec- This is only our second mimosa day, and I'm the one drinking mimosas, and you're like, nah, I'm just going to drink straight Prosecco. Okay, so this is actually what I do, though. So I didn't really start doing brunch until after my, like, significant ex, ex with a capital N, and I broke up, and I started hanging out with my really good friend, Cesar, who I actually got to see this past week. Yes. And Cesar is a extremely attractive, well-connected gay man. 
And so like he would always be like, okay, so Carolyn, so like we're gonna go for brunch on Sunday. Like we'll go out at like 11 and like we'll figure, or 12 even. And like we'll go to like the hottest places and whatever. And like they'd always be like, oh, well, do you want mimosas? It's this price. And he's like, okay, yes, but we'll just take the bottle, (laughs) not the orange juice. And so like my whole concept of brunch has been built by this person who I think is amazing and like is just bubbles. Like what's the point of the orange juice? Because it tastes good. I mean, I don't disagree, but at the same time, (laughs) Prosecco by itself tastes very good. Yeah, so but like, it why not good. just drew, drink? And you second? can drink more. No, you're drinking the same amount. Yes, but I actually can talk. I mean, I can talk too. I'm talking okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, to so wrap this shit up because we're an hour and 25 into the recording. Less than two hours. We're doing good. We're doing good. Miss Fisher demonstrates for Jack the modified mute that was used on the coronet. And. When Ben learns that Noreen confessed, he confesses for real, and he was the person that actually killed Len because he had caught Len in bed with Noreen, but he didn't know that Len was the one blackmailing Noreen into sexual favors. He just thought that they were cheating. Mm. And we get kind of a depressing fade to button with Noreen singing some beautiful blues to Ben outside the prison. Yeah. And then we get a button where Dot twirls in her dress and Miss Fisher does her lipstick and like Hugh comes in to pick her up for the ball and he is super stunned by how beautiful she looks, which she does look very cute. Yeah, Dot's like, oh my god, it's too much. I gotta get this off. It was very cute. Which is how I feel whenever I put lipstick on, actually. It's too much. Red lipstick for life, Sabrina. And the very last scene, Jack calls Franny into the station and he gives her the plates of Charlie and Bobby. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I thought you weren't, you could do nothing about the law. Your hands were tied. And he's like, well, you can. Yes. But we see, we fade out on him looking at her photos from her Her booking photos. Sabrina, did you figure it out? Yes. I can't. Uh, I remembered this one actually very specifically, so I can't give a really honest answer to this because I remember I knew when I rewatched it what happened. Like I, I, I didn't, for a fact I didn't remember it at all, but I remembered his thing. It's a misdirection. She's dropping glasses and screaming, which puts everybody on her. Mm-hmm. So obviously, it's not her because everyone's looking at it, so she can't possibly do it. So I was like, okay. And then it was like, when it was a stiletto and she pulls out the hairpin, I'm like, oops, you're misdirecting again. So I was like, poison dot? Just, is it just, so this is the feeling I had watching it the second time. Mm-hmm. Is this derivative of a Sherlock Holmes mystery? Or am I just re-remembering this episode that I watched years ago? It might be. Because I feel like this was a mystery that I had heard heard or read before but again i could just be remembering the episode that i watched the first time Mm, i think it is possibly a sherlock holmes i feel like it's a sherlock holmes i could be completely wrong about that but my like gut is saying i knew this mystery before i saw this mystery yes yes it is a sherlock holmes Ah! it's from the it's from the sign of fool the sign of (laughs) fool 
Anyway, I knew this one. I figured it out. <laughs> I think the more important question here, did you like it? Mmm. Mmm. It had that, this is a very special episode feel, and I'm not particularly a fan of those. That's exactly how I felt. So, um, I wasn't a huge fan. I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't my, it wasn't like my favorite. And I also felt particularly about this episode, and potentially because we just had watched an episode that I really, really liked. Mm Mm-hmm. The B storylines with, like, Franny and Jack and Dot and Hugh, while cute, felt really forced. Yeah. And clunky. Mm -hmm. I felt like this episode just tried to do too much with, like, such a clever mystery. And then both the, like, oh, gay people are illegal. And also, here's an interracial marriage. And that's a plot point. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, like... Like I said, if it had been two separate episodes, one with homosexuality and one with interracial marriage, and one that looked honestly at interracial marriage, um, mm-hmm. because they said it was illegal in the States, but in Australia it was only legal to kill black people. Like, basically, to, like, drown it out. It wasn't, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't legal because they saw black people as human. It was legal because they wanted to, like, erase the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it just it just felt everything felt super surface level. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, look, she's comfortable here in Australia. And I actually had to look it up if it was legal in Australia at the time. It was. But um, many people didn't do it. And it was still people was still ostracized for it for marrying another race. And I had written that they had probably gotten married in France, where it's always been legal and not for any like weird like Let's get rid of black people reason. And I felt like even, I mean, we've seen Franny do this a little bit before, but like even like her, like, I think anybody should marry whoever they love kind Mm. of stuff felt just super tone deaf. Yeah. And I felt like almost Mr. Stone, who like refused to give up the secret and was obviously doing it to like secure the best jazz singer, but at the same time was being an actually very good friend to this couple. Mm Mm-hmm was the most anti-racist character of them all. Yeah. Like, yes, he had his own ulterior motives, but But it wasn't a racist motive. It was, I want to make money. So it was capitalist motive, which... It was a capitalist motive, but, like, also at the same time, like, he respected her as a person and wasn't going to give her away. Yeah. Even though he was being... There there was pressure being applied by a woman he he wanted to sleep with and, like, the police and everything like that. Yeah. So good on tentacle <laughs> he truly he truly you know made king Arthur proud <laughs> well sabrina how did you like your wine i mean in a mimosa it's great i have no idea what the wine tastes like well i know what my wine tastes like miss why aren't you drinking a mimosa <laughs> i'll have a swig of the wine from the bottle right now to see how it tastes Okay, well, while you're drinking yours, uh, mine is very good. Um, so mine came with like a little like. Woo! Holy <laughs> shit! That's not bad. Actually. Mine came with a little um, like booklety thing in both Italian and English that was around the neck of the bottle. And this one is, and I haven't seen this much actually, a prosecco with yeast at the bottom. 
to give nice. it extra flavor. And you can really tell that there is yeast in the wine. Um, and I mean, it's got a great flavor. It, you know, the difference between like a grocery store French bread and a boulangerie French bread. I mean, yes, it's like that, like a <laughs> normal Prosecco and then like a regular, like a, like a Prosecco Prosecco. This is not a bad cava, but it is dry, but it's delicious. I, I like a dry cava. I like to dry everything. So it's very good. Very good. Out of nine, Sabrina, what would you give your kava? Seven and a half. All right. It makes a very good mimosa, and it was only $8. Yeah, this was only 10 I will give this a 9 out of 10 as well. Nice. We're, not, we're on a streak of good wine, I think. Mm-hmm. Which means our wine for next episode is going to be terrible. <laughs> well, you can always follow us on Twitter. I'm at Classlicity. And I'm at SDMWrites. And you can follow our official Twitter at Wine Murder Night, which you should do because we always put up a poll for our listeners to vote on. And that's how we determine what to watch next. Uh, You can also subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever your podcaster of choice is. And you should definitely tell your friends about what we do. About what we do. About our episode. And... I don't know. I've had a lot of Prosecco. You should tell your friends about our show and whether or not how good it is and all of that. And if you leave us a nice review, we will give you a shout out. Yay! Yay. We also need to do what, Sabrina? We need to say Spasiba. <laughs> Spasiba to Anton Koryakov, who wrote and performed Simple Life off the album Restart. Or Restalt. Which we use as our theme song, uh, licensed under uh, Creative Commons License Attribution 3.0. Thank you! Spasiba! Bye! Bye! Until next time.